Welcome to the Charlotte Mason Poetry Audio Blog, where we strive to share an authentic interpretation of Mason's life work. We thank you for joining us and hope you enjoy the program. Editor's Note In 1919, a set of students at Charlotte Mason's House of Education were each invited to write an essay on some subject suggested by the volumes of the Home Education series. Charlotte Mason herself then reviewed these essays and published them in the opening pages of the November 1919 issue of the Parents' Review, with the title, A Symposium. Students chose a range of topics, including authority, history, imagination, truth, and physical education. A student named D. Marjorie Peace chose habit for her topic. Her essay reveals a clear understanding not only of Mason's philosophy of habit, but also how this philosophy relates to real life. Within three years, Mason would write in a private letter to Henrietta Franklin, I think all that I have written is still true, but I would emphasize habit and so on less. Mason's selection of Peace's essay helps us to put this note in perspective. At the end of her life, Mason still believed that what she wrote was true, and she allowed Miss Peace to emphasize habit. Habit. Perhaps the majority of us do not realize how very much help habit is to us. In innumerable cases, It saves us that effort of discussion which is so wearing and tiring even upon small matters. If it is tiring to grown-ups who have had years of experience, it must naturally be to children who have not the experience to help them. Therefore, it is our duty to help children to form good habits which they can make use of all through their lives. Habit runs on the lines of nature, but it is a great deal stronger and when it is working according to nature, it is not using its full power. If a child has the habit of untidiness, we must help him to form the contrary habit of tidiness, which will probably remain with him through life. But if the child is naturally tidy, we can see how the habit is natural and need not be formed. A child is never too young to begin to form habits, and it is a mother's duty to see that from his cradle days her child forms good ones. She can help him to form them involuntarily while he is young, and this will save the child having to form them later. They will have become part of his nature, part of himself, and most of them he will never lose. We know from our own experience and from the experience of great men and women all that is owing to a mother's care during childhood's days. A teacher, too, has great influence as the child gets a little older, and it is her duty as well as that of the parents to think out what habits should be formed in different children and then see that when once started they are completed. Tact, watchfulness, and perseverance are greatly needed, especially during the first week or so. But when the habit is once formed, there is not much fear of its being broken. The dangerous time is just before the habit is quite formed when, for instance, we think, Molly has remembered so well up to now, I will not bother to call her back to put her things away this time. The next time Molly will remember you let it pass once, and will forget again, 
and gradually the almost formed habit will slip away, every day making it harder to recall. Habit rules in practically all one's thoughts and actions, so it is essential that we should be well trained and train the children well, so that our thoughts from which our actions originate may be for the betterment of ourselves and our country. And the fortunate part about it is that habits and habit-forming are a delight. If we tell a child that we will try to help him when he forgets in the forming of a new habit and put him on his honor to try, he will try, and will enjoy trying especially if he knows he is pleasing us. It is interesting to see how each day brings us nearer our goal, that of having a certain habit formed. And when once it is formed, that hard part is over, and it is one time and worry saver for the rest of our days. How many times do we look at a thing first from this point of view, then from that, and turn it over in our mind again and again before making a decision? Whereas if we had previously formed a habit in the direction, say, of quick and clear decision, it would have saved us time and trouble, even where the will decides habit is powerful. For example, let us take two children playing together, the one having formed the habit of tidiness, the other being untidy. The latter suggests that they should go out into the garden to play with Rover, who has just appeared, and she wants to rush out without putting away the present playthings. Here the tidy child's habit and will will combine, and although she is very eager to get out as soon as possible, she will put away her things first, whereas, apart from her habit, her will might not have been strong enough to resist the temptation to run out immediately. If habits are so powerful, in fact have the power of ten natures, and we form them in a child, does it not take away the child's free will, asks someone? But is not each one of us subject to habits? Does not our whole life embrace scores of habits a day? If it were not so, our life would be indeed a weary one. Each time we wanted to do a simple and what is to us now mechanical action, such as brushing our hair, making a bed, passing something to a person when requested, saying thank you to someone, we should have to go through repeated efforts of decision and it would wear us out very soon. Therefore, considering all these advantages, let us try to help the little ones who are inexperienced to take their place in the world as noble men and women. Let us help them to form worthy and useful habits while they are young, so that they can form them for themselves when they are older. Also let us save them the labor of decision in minor matters which would be wearying and wearing to them and which is really unnecessary. D. Majori Peace On the Charlotte Mason Poetry Podcast, we share many original and vintage articles, and I'm sure you wouldn't want to miss a single one. We have a new email subscription system, so if you haven't signed up, you can do so at the show notes page. And if you have enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening to the Charlotte Mason Poetry Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the program.